0: So this morning's reading is from Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, begging, On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be you. to God.
1: Good morning, Andy. Morning, Chino. Amanda, thank you for reading so beautifully. Let's pray together. Father, on this Palm Sunday, Lord, we'd ask that we might see more clearly. We might see more clearly the extraordinary nature of Jesus' love that took him to the cross and then to the tomb. So, Father, I pray that as I speak, you would graciously anoint me by your Spirit. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would enlighten our understanding. For Jesus' glory. Amen. Well, as we begin on this Palm Sunday, as we begin the journey through Holy Week with Jesus to Jerusalem, to the cross, and then to the empty tomb, what I want us to do very simply uh, for the next 20 minutes or so, that's bad news, some of you will start getting your stopwatches going, won't you? 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, is, is to explore this encounter that Jesus had with Blind Bartimaeus. So if you've got your Bibles with you, if you've got them on your phones, do turn to them. And as an introduction to this, we're getting, well, to the context behind this, we're going to watch a two-minute video that um, Graham Tomlin, who's the Bishop of... Ch- Kensington has produced. It's part of a series of videos he's produced for this week. And this just provides a tiny bit of context about Jericho um, and about this encounter. So, if we can have that, please, folks.
2: Hello, and welcome to this pilgrimage through Holy Week. Over the next nine days, we'll be visiting a different place in the Holy Land. As we prepare our hearts for Easter and to reflect on Jesus' ministry in these places, we begin our pilgrimage in Jericho. Jericho is one of the oldest cities in the world. There are archaeological remains that go back around 10,000 years. And of course, there are many stories in the Old Testament that relate to this really important city. It's where the Israelites crossed over into the Promised Land. And, of course, it's the place where we're told Joshua marched around the walls until they fell. Jericho is basically built around an oasis. Even today there are palm trees, fruits growing, and it's a relatively fertile place in a very dry, barren plain. It lies below sea level, just north of the Dead Sea. And if you stand in Jericho and look up to the west, you can see the Judean hills rising up in the distance, and the famous road that leads to Jerusalem the road where the story of the Good Samaritan is set. Of course, most of Jesus' public ministry took place further north in Galilee. But towards the end of the story that the Gospels tell us, he begins to make the journey with his disciples south through the Jordan Valley. It's a journey he would have made many times in his life to visit the temple in Jerusalem. Of course, we hear of one visit when as a boy he questioned the the teachers in the temple and got left behind by his family on the way home. And on this occasion, there's something rather fateful and foreboding about this rabbi and his followers marching on Jerusalem for the climax that's about to happen.
1: And as Jesus and his disciples enter Jericho, are heading towards Jerusalem, they create a star. News has filtered down from Galilee about this famous stroke controversial teacher and miracle worker, and crowds gather. And Bartimaeus is sitting beside the roadside. Jesus travels through Jericho, and Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus meets Zacchaeus as he's traveling through Jericho. And he has that transformative encounter with, with Zacchaeus. And then as Jesus and his disciples are leaving Jericho, they come across this blind beggar. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this encounter, but only Mark gives him a name, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. And Bartimaeus is sitting beside the roadside and he's begging. And because he's blind, No doubt his hearing would have become more acute. When people's eyes begin to fail, you know, people become more and more attentive through their hearing. And Bartimaeus would have heard gossip about Jesus, gossip about this miracle worker. And he'd have thought, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity. And as, as I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking, you know, don't underestimate the power of gossip about Jesus. Don't think that just a small word spoken to a colleague, spoken in a social context, about an answer to prayer, about something recently you discovered about Jesus, don't think that might not have an impact. The Lord can take all of that by his spirit. And Bartimaeus has heard gossip about Jesus. And he's probably the sort of person who was an embarrassment around Jericho. He might have been the sort of person who people tried to avert their eyes from, either because they felt guilty or because he was always begging and was something of a, a, a kind of problem in the area. And as Jesus is passing through, Bartimaeus begins to call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And what's the crowd's response? They try and shush him. Be quiet. The teacher's important. And he's clearly on a journey. But I love this about Jesus. Jesus allows himself to be interrupted. And Jesus stops. And he looks and he listens, and he says, "Call him." And he gives Bartimaeus his full attention. I wonder how hard do you find that at times? I mean, I know personally, I can get very single-minded at times, and actually, staff work <laughs> will be very aware of that. That there are certain times, they're probably think, probably not the best time to ask Andy that. Um, And even before the service today, uh, you know, to my shame, I was really short with someone who was trying to say something helpful, but it just felt like one too many things. Jesus is different. Jesus stopped, and he gave this troublesome beggar his full attention. And he says, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And I love the fact that, Bart, that Jesus asked him that, that question. He doesn't just wade in and says, well, you're clearly blind. I'm going to, you know, I know what you need. But Jesus draws Bartimaeus into the healing encounter. He gives him agency. It's interesting, health professionals today would tell us that actually they don't want patients to have an unhealthy dependency. They want them to be involved in their own healing in that journey to wholeness. Jesus was so aware of the importance of Bartimaeus' involvement in his healing. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus, with a lovely childlike directness, says, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus' response says, go, your faith has healed you. And we need to understand what Jesus is really saying there. It wasn't so much Bartimaeus' faith, but it was actually his power that Bartimaeus tapped into. It's the power of Jesus that brings sight. It's the power of Jesus that brings freedom. It's the power of Jesus that brings hope and brings direction. But he says, you partner with me. And Bartimaeus, your faith, that's helped to bring healing for you. Rabbi, I want to see. And I know how extraordinary it is that kind of when people have had cataracts and when cataracts are removed, kind of the world becomes technicolor again. And, you know, Um, I know Fee has said that with some patients in the surgery, that sometimes patients will come in and say, you know, I didn't realize the carpet was this color. Probably didn't realize the color of their partner's hair or something like that. It's all changed. And Bartomez, his whole world is opened up in kind of wide-eyed wonder. He can see Again. And as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking about each of us in Paul in the 21st century, this Palm Sunday. And you might feel a bit like, uh, you know, one of the members in the crowd, you might feel, I shouldn't trouble Jesus. He's got big things to deal with. He's got huge things to deal with across our world. But actually, Jesus wants to give you his full attention today. And he wants to say to you, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? A question at the beginning of Holy Week. What do you want Jesus to do for you? And I encourage you to ponder that over the next few days. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Be honest with him. Be be real, be yourself with him. And it might be that you, you say, Lord, what I really need, I need a bit of energy. It's the school holidays. I love my children, I love my grandchildren. We've got a few weeks together at home. Lord, I need energy or I need patience. It might be that deep down, you have a longing for a deeper foundation of peace in your life at the moment. And you want to say, "Lord, I would love a bit more peace." It could be that you're waking, waiting for a breakthrough in a work situation. And you the deep cry of your heart is, "Lord, I long to see the beginning of a breakthrough." or in a health struggle that you have, Lord, I'd long to see a way forward in this. Be honest with Jesus. Because he looks at you and me and says, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And I pray that with our honesty, that also that each of us would say, like Bartimaeus, Lord, I long to see I long to see you, Jesus, more clearly. I long to see the extraordinary wonder of your sacrifice on the cross. I long to have insight into all that that means. Because this is a story not just about physical healing. This is a story about Jesus bringing spiritual insight to Bartimaeus as well. May we have greater insight, Jesus, this Holy Week. And it also might be, Lord, may I see the culture I'm living in more clearly. May I understand the strengths, may I understand the blind spots in our culture. Lord, may I see the community I'm surrounded with more clearly with your eyes. Lord, may I see my family. May I see my neighbors that you've called me to love. May I see them more clearly, Lord. And Lord, may I see myself as you see me more clearly. Lord, I long to see. What do you want Jesus to do for you? And this extraordinary, miraculous encounter is not just about a healing. There is a healing here. But Mark is recounting it because it's also a story of discipleship. We read in verse 52. Immediately, Bartimaeus received his sight. And what did he do? He followed Jesus along the road. And the Greek word for road there is hodos. And that's a really important term in Mark's gospel. Hodos means the way, literally means the way in Greek. And Mark uses the term on quite a number of occasions. So for instance at the beginning of Mark's gospel, we're introduced to John the Baptist, quoting Isaiah, declares, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight a highway for the Lord. Then, at a pivotal point in Mark's gospel, in Caesar of Philippi, where Jesus says to his disciples, who do people say that I am? He's he's asking, are you begin to twig who I am? You begin to understand my identity. That that encounter takes place whilst they are on the way, whilst they are walking together. And the earliest, earliest Christians, they were referred to as followers of the way. Matt mentioned that last Sunday evening as well. And it's helpful for us to be aware, Mark is writing this gospel in the mid-60s A.D., And during his writing it in the first instance to Christ followers in Rome. And they were suffering Nero's persecutions at this time. And Mark is wanting to say to them, I understand that you are suffering for your faith. And some of you might well face martyrdom. And I want you to understand the Lord who you follow. I want you to see him more clearly. I want you to understand he's a great miracle worker. He was a charismatic Messiah, but he was also the suffering Messiah. He was the Messiah who bore your wounds. And to follow him means that you will walk in wide-eyed wonder, like Bartimaeus. You will have the privilege of sharing in his ministry of making all things new but you will also be called to a cost it will be sacrificial to follow jesus and we need to hear that today as well we need to hear that it the call of discipleship is a call that is full of huge privilege but it's also costly It will at times feel as though it's cruciform because Jesus says, Come follow me. Come follow me. Where? On the road to Jerusalem, the road to the cross, and the road to the empty tomb. So just say, if you're finding life particularly hard at the moment, or if you're struggling with aspects of your faith, you know, you're in good company. You're in good company. That's not a rabbit trail. It's a major highway. And the charismatic, suffering Messiah walks with you. He walks with you in those hard places. So receive that encouragement today. Mark wrote to encourage those Christians in Rome. Literally, that means to pour courage into them. And some of us might need that again today. Lord, I need to receive more of your courage in that area. More of your courage so that I can keep going with what you have called me to do. Lord, I can keep walking with you because you pour courage in through the support of one another and by your Holy Spirit. So it's a story of discipleship. Being a follower of Jesus is never static. It's a dynamic relationship. And that doesn't mean it's relentlessly activistic. It shouldn't be that. But it does mean that we're on a journey with him. If we can have the next slide up, please. So a second question. How are you following at the moment? Right now, as a Christ follower... How are you following? We used, sorry, can I have that image up again, Bev? Thank you. We used that image on the front of our annual reports. And as Mark mentioned at our APCM, one of the reasons we did that was that despite all the restrictions of the last few years and all the uncertainties, you know, our heart has been, Lord, we want to keep moving forward with you. Because Jesus, you want to lead us even through these times. And so there's a sense of movement. And it's interesting, you know, a boat can only be steered. The rudder can only work effectively whilst a boat is actually afloat and sailing. And that's true for us. And that was something that Bartimaeus was going to discover. So how are you following Jesus at the moment? What does the pilgrim's way look like for you? We can have the next slide up, please. Some of you will remember about eight years ago um, on our sabbatical, Fia and I walked the Pilgrim's Way from Winchester Cathedral to Canterbury Cathedral. Now, we didn't do it in a day. You know, a bit flimsy, really. We did it in about six days. And um, it was a fantastic experience. It was a great exercise, but it was, it was really deeply symbolic. And there's a sense that we're all on the pilgrim's way. We're all, if we're following Christ, we are on the pilgrim's way. And so how are you following on that way at the moment? It's interesting some of the most joy-filled, wide-eyed Christians I've ever met are those who've actually known some experience of suffering in their own lives, those who've known the valleys as well as the, the mountaintops of life. And I, as I was thinking about this, thinking about that this week, I remembered a, a young Lebanese female doctor who I met. Sorry, it sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Honey, I didn't... No. <laughs> I, I knew Fiat at the time. We were all misengaged, actually, so it was nothing like that. But it was in 1984 uh, at a place called Lopiano in Tuscany in Italy. And um, it's a Roman Catholic community. And there was a young Lebanese doctor there who, um, whose parents were still living in, in Beirut, and she felt called to serve in this community um, for, for, for a period of time. And um, there was something about her face shone. There was something very radiant about her. And I got chatting to her uh, over a meal, and she told me that her parents were still living in Beirut. And Beirut was being shelled at that time, and her parents' health had been hit by a shell on three occasions. And I said, well, are they still living there? And she said, kind of with tears, yes, they are. They feel as though God has called them to stay there, to be salt and light in that community, to be a sign of hope. That was costly, but she knew it was the right thing for them. The suffering Messiah walked with us on the mountaintops and through those hard times. And uh, if we can have the next slide up, please. And uh, Nikki Gamble tweeted this week, it's from Bible in a Year, that kind of reflection, mountaintops inspire us, but valleys mature us. And the great thing is we don't walk through those valleys on our own. We've walked through those valleys with Jesus, with his presence. And that's what helps to mature us. And as I'm sure all of us have felt so overwhelmed by what's happening in the U- Ukraine. And thank you, Lynn, for how you have prayed into that. If we can have the next slide up, please. Because, you know, that's a harrowing photo, isn't it? Someone who is carrying the pain, the heartbreak of his country at the moment. And as Christians, we know that the suffering Messiah is not absent from that context. That actually Jesus understands. And it's, it's thought that about 70% of that nation would call themselves Christians. Christians. And Jesus is wanting to stand alongside those people. And he himself is praying for peace as we pray for peace. The suffering Messiah. So as we follow Jesus, as you follow Jesus in your context, there will be times when the Lord says, actually, this is costly. As well as being wide-eyed and wonderful. But we know what happened three days after Friday. We know the Lord rose again. So we know that the cross is not the end of the story. The resurrection is the end of the story. The cross is empty. And as Christ followers, as we're called to walk the way to Jerusalem with Jesus at times, we are called to live joyfully and dangerously for him. So at the start of this Holy Week, two questions I think the Lord wants wants to ask us. And the first is, what do you want me to do for you? And know Jesus gives you his full attention and says, I'm here for you. What do you want me to do for you? And secondly, to reflect as we journey with Jesus, how are you following at the moment? Are you kind of holding back? Are you keeping your distance? Are you concerned about the cost? Are you concerned about what friends might think? I love the fact that Bartimaeus didn't let anything stop him trying to get as close to Jesus as possible. We can allow things to stop us. It's quite good to recognize what stops you trying to get really close to Jesus? Let's be quiet for a moment. So we just hold these things in prayer. And perhaps some of you are in, in situations at the moment that either feel very confusing or, or extremely costly. And the Lord wants to reassure you that He's right there beside you. You are not alone. And also his promised, his provision. I will sustain you. I will sustain you. So Father, as we begin this Holy Week, Lord, we thank you that we know the end. And we thank you, Father, that Sunday is coming. Easter Sunday is coming. But we thank you, Father, for your faithfulness in walking with us. We thank you for your attentiveness that you want to meet our deepest needs. And Lord, I pray that for us as a church community and for each of us to get individually, Lord, we would follow you closely for Jesus' glory. Amen. Amen.